I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. Okay, our two experts on the show today here for the full hour and joining me live is David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Good afternoon, David. Thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. And Mark Morland of Team Invest. Mark, wonderful to see you here in the studio. Great to be here. Indeed. And it's a happy Friday. Well, we hope it's a happy Friday. Anyway, let's check in and see what we have for the first five stocks of the call today. And we have Argosy Minerals, uh, Lycopodium, Data, and Premier Investments, as well as Sandfire Resources. But before we get to those, let's touch base with the stock of the day, which is my Magellan Financial Group. And news dropped that the beleaguered fund manager has recorded a $4 billion drop in funds under management in September. Magellan said it experienced net outflows of $2 billion in September, which included net retail outflows of $0.3 billion and net institutional outflows of $1.7 billion. The fund manager booked $35 billion in FUM in its latest update, down from $39 billion it recorded in August. Well, David, this has been a challenging couple of years, at least for Magellan, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, more. Yeah, that, that's for sure. You know, I've seen it drop from what, July 21, it was about $55 down. It was 70 yeah. ago up to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It could do that. no wrong. It was flying was, high. Yeah, well, Hamish was a superstar. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. But, you know, they've obviously, Hamish is gone. They're trying to right the ship. <laughs> but clearly, you know, the markets are not helping at the moment. But this really doesn't look too great today. I mean, the stock's no. off almost 12%. Yeah, well, $2 billion uh, worth of funds outflow. Mostly of that was the institutional $1.7 billion mm. and $300 million of uh, retail. So, you know, not a good look. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, look, uh, for me, you know, being a technical guy, I mean, this was the get out, get out at $55. Um, and I've never, look, never seen a signal to get back in on Magellan and still don't see one. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's more suffering for shareholders who are still holding on to it. Uh, I would not touch the, um, you know, any funds management group right now, given with the bearishness of the market. So, um, yeah, I'd be avoiding this one. And, uh, but look, down here, it's a bit of a, what we call a capitulation. You might find some buying coming in. It's down 12% so, um, today. But uh, look, that chart looks horrible. So, yeah, know, it doesn't a, look great. It, it's an avoid for now. Yeah, fair enough. And Mark, um, are you being tempted down at these levels? Uh, no, um, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, Magellan's now really a turnaround story. I mean, that's the problem. And as Buffett says, he he uh, he's not interested in turnaround stories because they very rarely turn. turn around. 
<laughs> now this is, at least with Magellan though, is it's still a very profitable business. Um, they, they were so profitable back in the days before that they'd been able to weather like a, I don't know, 70% drop in funds under management. There must be something yeah. like that because they were 120, I think at the peak, mm. down to uh, 35 and they're still very profitable mm. and they're paying a very good dividend still. Mm. So that's the, you know, that's the positive of it. So it's mm. not like they're losing money. Most turnaround stories, you're, you know, it goes to woes, management gets mm. changed and then it's a story. The thing with Magellan, of course, is when will the outflow stop? Mm. And it's a new business now. The management's now totally different. It's a very conservative ex-future uh, fund CEO and so on. Nikki's still there. So there's, you know, it's, it's a very conservative management now compared to what it was under Hamish. Uh, just quickly on that, by the way, there, there were some real lessons in that with the mm. fall of Hamish. We always thought that the key man risk was the biggest risk with Magellan. But whenever you get a CEO that takes star status, beware. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I think Twiggy Forrest has done that a bit too with hydrogen, all this sort of stuff. That puts me right off. Mm. You know, when they start swanning to Davos and on the world stage and Hamish was running around doing uh, massive sellout seminars on yeah. his view of economics in the world. Uh, you know, it's like ding, 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 alarm bells. Mm. It was right. Mm. But we, we, Team Invest generally had reservations about their moats. Because one of the things with the fund management industry is the money is hot. Mm. And now you can look at it and say it doesn't just go from here to there and so on, but it is literally a couple of keystrokes. Mm. The one plus on this, though, is most of the funds that have been lost have been institutional. And the profit margin on that going on memory when we looked at it, I think it was about 0.2 or something, mm. whereas the retail is like 0.7. Mm. So, so you can actually lose like $3 of every, every $3 of institutional money is about the same as $1 of retail. Yeah. So they've kept... A lot, most of the retail business they had, I think, you know, just paraphrasing him. Um, so it's not as bad as it could it would have been. Mm. But I think what has to happen now is you need to look at the actual Magellan's funds mm. and say so the the actual managed funds, which I wouldn't yeah. put money in, but how are they performing? And if they start performing even a little bit positively to mm. um, their, uh, their their benchmarks, whatever they are, yeah. it should stop. The, flow, yes. the, fund, the funds flow should stop going out. And then I'd argue it's probably very cheap. I guess it's really hard though. It becomes a sentiment thing, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And you're constantly chasing your tail. If you've had bad performance, there's nothing, or poor performance, there's nothing worse than trying yeah. to catch up because yeah. the, the pressure is That's on. Right. You know. But their fund performance wasn't as bad as it looked. You know, yeah. the, media, the media piled on and they lost the, uh, what was that one in the UK called? It was 20 billion. That, that was the one that really started. That, that was a massive fund um, they lost. I've forgotten the name I of it. I forget But they knew that was going to happen yeah. because that particular group, which was a, uh, they were, they were, uh, uh, I think that was 300 million or something. Mm. But they, they was, they put most of their money to active fund managers like Magellan, mm. and they had told Magellan that they were going to uh, change to index funds. Mm. So they, now, as they warned them that the money would go, so it was yeah. nothing to do with Magellan's performance. Yeah, mm. and of course Magellan chose not to tell the market that at the time, which was reasonable because it wasn't like they knew. All they were, it was flagged that at some point mm. they were going to lose this client. And with hindsight, they would have been far better off if they'd flagged it then, taken a bit of a hit yeah. because it was used as a to prove that Magellan is cactus and look at that, this lost 20 billion. Then that, that triggered the outflow, of course. Yeah. And of course, the Hamish going under the bus, and then nobody was speaking on behalf of the company. Yeah, it was just you know a pile on for the media, and very, very yeah. you know high uh, conviction calls. You know, and a couple of them yeah. like Netflix and everything were falling out of bed. Well, he did time. well on that. The whole tech up thing and, and China, up it was a, a really good thematic yeah. until it wasn't. But it was yeah. a bit of a perfect storm. Yeah. So that came off. Hamish, 
hit the deck you know, with a divorce and lost the plot completely mm. and they lost their big, one of their biggest mandate all like bang 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 but we've never seen that many risks trigger yeah. in, in quick succession but it's a great perfect as, storm as you say but it's also from that respect it's a really good case study to yeah. remind about you know yeah. when you the, have those big personalities the, the only other positive thing about this mm. is I'm just looking at their uh, construction of the funds here you know the 30, 35 billion remaining 15 billion in global equities mm-hmm. with the dollar being down where it is at 64 63 yeah. and, that's and, got a, and, and infra- getting weaker and weaker <laughs> and infrastructure maybe. or us getting stronger let's go that way <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe but um yeah so, so they should what you're saying is that basically a, a lower australian dollar they, beneficiary they should be outperforming any of the local funds that's yeah. for sure because most of it is and i haven't looked at their fund makeup they've got they've got microsoft and yeah. uh, apple and all that yeah and they're all absolutely going to benefit from ai and so on yeah I, i'm actually much more confident in those big tech stocks now in their ability to double again yeah because a lot of it was you look at it and say they get to a trillion dollars how how far can they keep oh, growing? And the yeah. answer is they can. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. And they've yeah. also got incredibly strong balance sheets. That's anyway, right. we're, we're getting a bit off script. It's, so an interesting, Mark, so it's an interesting one, though. Oh, it's, it's very more interesting. interesting than any of the others today. No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's not for the viewers. We've got lots more great stocks coming up. So, Mark, after all that, would happy you... Friday. Would you Happy Friday. Yeah, exactly. Would you be avoiding buying... Would you, what, Magellan? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, it's speculative. At yeah. the moment, I, I, that's how I would look at it. I would say if you're buying it now, you've got to weigh up the risks. And do, do you think the the outflows have stabilised? If they have, it's cheap. So, so, so it's not, I'm not saying you wouldn't, but it's not. We know we're, we're, what we're trying to do at Team Invest is have a very high probability yeah. of certainty, and yeah. I don't think it has that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Howard, my partner, has been quite negative on it forever. Yeah. And he's been a, a bit of a lone voice actually on that. Okay. And he, his argument was that it was so the money was some, too high. At some point, this is going to potentially, if they can stabilise the farm, well, they it will. Looks, they will stabilise the farm. Yes and no, we don't know. Not everybody we're, stays around we're, forever. We're, we're, exactly. We're, and it's that's gone down a lot more than I would have expected. So a speculative buy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There can, we go. I can live with that. We got, we got there eventually. Okay, <laughs> let's get right into it. And our first stock of the day, picked by Errol, it is Argosy Minerals. And Errol has asked, will they survive the lithium downturn? Well, there you go. I had a, a quick look. We're talking a $245 million market mm. cap here, David. Thoughts? Yeah, look, they're uh, in that uh, lithium triangle in Argentina, they call it, and um, they are about to start producing some, you know, uh, battery quality lithium carbonate, um, uh, you know, material for. So, you know, it, they do get a premium on the price. It's yeah. not just purely based on the benchmark lithium price, but. Um, the only positive, one positive is they're about to produce 2,000 tonnes and then at some point increase that. They're planning to increase it to 10,000 tonnes per annum. So um, right at the moment, they've still got a little bit of cash in the bank, 23.5 million. Um, for my money at the moment, and also just uh, read this morning, JP Morgan and UBS have downgraded the lithium price yeah. as well yeah, by 10%, mm. 10% uh, by the end of this year. 40% next year, which Pretty is Pretty chunky, isn't it? Huge. Mm. So, you know, it, it's not, look, this was a, you know, a you know, darling place to be. Everybody was chasing the lithium story, the boom and, and the prices. 
But yeah, when you look at Pilbara and Alkin, I mean, they've been absolutely smashed. Mm, and Pilbara's got like a billion dollars in cash or something S- on the balance sheet. Well, three billion. Actually. Three billion, is yeah, it? Yeah. So isn't Argentina? Haven't they got some geopolitical risk there with Argentina possibly wanting to take a clip on the way out, so to speak? I haven't read it, but there's always a geopolitical risk in those countries. Um, yeah. They've also got hyperinflation. Yeah. You know, which is not. They've an, always had hyperinflation. Yeah, it's over 100%. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. that's not an easy environment to operate in. No, no. absolutely not. So I think no, I, I'm hearing I, an avoid, am I, David? I, yeah, look, it is. And the trend is not your friend. I mean, this is horrible, this trend at the moment. And I'm a you know, trend follower. Yeah. And this is not one that, um, you know, you have it on your watch list. Uh, I'd wait for them to start producing. I want to see, show me the money, you know, mm. and, and before I'd be jumping into something like this. And I'd prefer to go to the bigger guys. If I was going to buy that space, it would be Pilbara or Alkim, you know, but um, exactly. uh, avoid at the moment. Okay, Mark. Um, it's not a business we'd be interested in because we like uh, profitable, predictable businesses. Uh, they, whether, I'll have a look at their financials quickly. They've got, as I said, 20 odd million in cash, not much, but they're not, they lost 200,000 last year. So they're actually not burning money, which is at least, <laughs> that's at least encouraging. Because mm. a lot of these companies, when they're pre, uh, pre-revenue, you know, are actually look at, you look at the losses or how, how negative the return on equity is and get a feel for how much money they're going through. Mm. So the question the viewer asked was, would, would they survive the lithium downturn? Then I don't know what their costs are going to be like. So when they're when they're in production, there how much that depends on where you are on the cost curve. Yeah. Uh, if you're on if you're low enough, it won't make any difference. It just means you make a bit less a little less money. It's like our coal producers. You know, when the coal price is booming, they print money, and there's plenty of room for it to come down. But how far does it come down before that particular miner mm. isn't making money? And that's what you've got to look at. So uh, for me, if you're going to invest in lithium, I wouldn't go past Australia. You know, so I think bringing foreign country risk into it is I don't think you need to uh, we've got some of the best lithium assets in the world here so um, uh, the one we like the only one we're invested in is mineral resources which is a bit of an outlier for us because Min used to be a mining services company which we like because yeah. they're ticket their um, their picks and shovel suppliers they've yep. become now um, you can't argue they're not a miner now but that's been an evolution because mm. we've been invested in them for 15 years mm. so um, well. uh, and it's been fantastic but you know, it's, it, it has now the unpredictability of the lithium prices, the iron ore prices and gas prices mm. eventually with min. Mm. So you could argue they've got some diversification in there at least. But that's our uh, company we like. And the reason we like them is because of the uh, Chris Ellison, the CEO, we think is the best capital allocator in the country well, in the mining go. space. And he has had a history of getting it right. You know, no yeah. matter what happens, whatever he's dealt with, he seems to be able to navigate through it and, yeah. and make it really work for shareholders. So basically then for Argosy, it's kind of an avoidance. Oh, no, it's a, no, I'd avoid. I, I, I couldn't sell. sell. Well, I, I wouldn't say sell if you've got it because yeah. it's, you know, it's just about to go into production. They've got some money and they're not losing a lot. So yeah. I don't think they're going to go broke. Yeah. But I don't know any, enough about it to be able to Fair enough. have any better, better opinion than that. Fair enough. Okay, let's get to the second stock picked by Jeff, and I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, Lycopodium. Lycopodium, um, that's it. Oh, there we go, yeah, L-Y-L. Go. Glad to see that uh, my dyslexia didn't click in. <laughs> so, again, uh, mining services contractor, around $370 million market cap. What, that's what my little bit of research uh, showed, yeah. David. Yeah, look, uh, engineering group, um, you know, diversified different countries, mostly West Africa, uh, Southeast Asia um, is, is where their operations are, and, and Western Australia as well. Uh, look, they're very profitable. I mean, uh, the numbers look great. The only problem I've got with this company is the liquidity in the stock. There's mm. only like 
something like 40 million shares on issue. So it's a quarter That's of a million. Yeah, a quarter of a million dollars worth of stock traded on average over a three month period. Nothing. That's nothing. So mm. it's really not for institutions, <laughs> more like small uh, retail. But look, the yield, the dividend yield is like right up to 8.6, 8.7% fully franked. franked yeah. Wow. Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, the chairman also has about 23% holding. Yeah. So this is a very tightly held register. Look, they've got the diversity of, um, you know, projects, um, you know, from gold to iron ore to coal, you name it, uh, uranium. So they've got that diversity as well of different projects out there. So they're pretty optimistic about the outlook. And, you know, uh, they've, they've got, you know, consistent dividend yield here, nine times earnings. They've got, you know, in the bank, 82 million, no debt. So yeah. pretty strong. But again, it's the liquidity here. If you were going to buy it, you wouldn't be buying many. And my average, my rule is you don't buy more than 10% of the average turnover per right. day. So that you're not caught in what they call a lobster trap. <laughs> Those nasty lobster traps. I guess then, it, is it a case of like if you own it clearly, I mean, it's, it's you know, almost a 9% fully franked yield. I mean, it looks like the earnings stream That's would be fixed. quite resilient. So yeah. you'd just hold it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you've got it, I'd definitely be a holder. And even a small buyer down here, because yeah. it's come down to a key support level. It's been trading in a range. So down here, it actually looks like good value for me, to me. Yeah. But again, you just got to be careful of how many shares you buy. Absolutely. So, Mark? Uh, yeah, it's a great company. Um, we used to uh, follow it in the last mining boom. <laughs> this is a very cyclical business, mm-hmm. like mining is. Yeah. Bear in mind that they, um, they used to specialise mainly in gold processing, but they cover off just about everything now. But what they do is they don't, they're not miners. What they do is they design the engineering and the production processes mm-hmm. to be able to optimise the extraction, yeah. basically what they do. So one of our members pointed out, which I think he was quite right, the lycopodium is a really good canary in the coal mine at both ends of the cycle oh, because it came in the last cycle basically went mm. from uh, when, it, when it started probably uh, 06 or something but to about 2 uh, 12 to 13 mm-hmm. it was the, the, the super cycle if you like mm-hmm. then it came off it was everything was flat and horrible for about three years and at about the end of 16 yeah. it was back to the races and if yeah. you look at like a podium they were one of the first ones to move because they're getting the initial work so as companies start investing capital again because of supply demand dynamics are now improved yeah inefficient operators are going out of business all that you know that happens when you have a recession yeah. or in a change of uh, cycle like a podium was one of the first ones to pick up and uh, it's still quite strong i think we're probably later than earlier in the cycle now but i don't not, i'm not ringing a bell on saying when that is but uh, I put this as a buy. It's in the green on the PE for us, which we've got at 7.9 trailing, which is in the bottom 25% of its PE ratio. And we're showing it returning um, 17% on a margin of safety per year for the next five years. So assuming we don't have a, uh, yeah, a cycle mining. turn, yeah. it's absolutely a buy. Well, and we know the management really well from before. There's a lot of skin in the game. Yeah. The, the original founders came out of Monodelphus, so they were very okay. conservative, yeah. um, very good operators. Mm. So yeah, I'd definitely say it's a buy. And, I, and not to me, as David's right about liquidity, yeah, depending on how much you're investing. Yeah. yeah so. And and with the, did you say it was the chairman that has 23%? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he's got big skin in the game, but with a company of this quality, should he look to sell down? I mean, a lot of people why? might say, well, why if he did? Well, there's two sides to it. No, no, it? no. But yeah. the point being is maybe that it would improve liquidity, i.e. what I'm getting around to. It, it wouldn't necessarily be such a negative 
thing if yeah. the whole quality of management thing was still in place. That's yeah. All well, the I'm market cap's three hundred and sixty odd million. Yeah, they're not so it's small. not it's not it's smallish, but it's not tiny. Tiny, yeah. Um, and it doesn't have any debt and so on. Uh, so you got, the other way to look at this is we, well, the way we look at investing is we work on we're, if we're going to take a position, we want to have an expectation of what is going to happen over the next five years. Mm. So we're not saying we're trading like we're not trading like David is. It's we're we're saying we want to buy quality companies at, at a price that's going to give us a predictable return. 17% on a margin of safety is outstanding mm, you know, mm. from our point of view. So that'll give you better than 20, yeah, uh, more than likely. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah, so I, I won't be trying to sell then. The liquidity yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. But the risk is you can't just press the button and sell. Yeah. But we don't intend to do that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Let's move on to the next stock and a Dicker Data, ticker code DDR, picked by Jason. Now, uh, you know, really interesting stock, this one. Um, mm. It's come a little bit off the boil of late. Um, what do you think about Dicker Data, David? Well, look, they're very steady in their earnings. They've got mm. some good recurring um, uh, income here from their software um, uh, subscription. <coughs> the return on equity is, is very good. You know, it's mm. up to 37% here. I mean, 3.7% fully franked uh, yield as well. Uh, they're on a multiple of 23 times. I probably a little bit rich for my liking, but nevertheless, so you can see that jump at the at the end of August, early September. Um, that was when they reported their half yearly results, which were which were pretty good actually. If you look yeah. at the numbers, you know, gross sales up 9.4%, earnings before interest tax depreciation up 15%, um, you know, statutory revenue up 5%, uh, net operating profit before tax 6%. But you know, it's steady as she goes. It's not like shooting the lights out to me. It's it just it seems to be a very steady, um, you know, recurring mm. revenue uh, line, and yeah. it's been like that for a number of years. And it's, it sort of reflects that in the share price. Mm. Although you can see it's come down since those highs of 2021. But uh, you know, they're they're diversified as well. They've, you know, they're into cybersecurity. That's the growth sector for this company. Software, multi-cloud, hybrid IT, smart office. Communications, data center, yeah. infrastructure. They've got their, their hand in a number of different pies here. Jeff, are you going to tempt me? It's sounding, sounding pretty good. Well, it'd be a hold. <laughs> you know, definitely be a hold, even possibly a buy uh, here, but at least a hold. But, uh, uh, you know, look, it's just um, the multiples for me. I mean, I'm not a big IT guy, but uh, look at up here, it's good value. It's, it's a hold at best for Mark. me. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Dick is, um is a founder-led. Yeah. Dick is very is a bit of a raconteur mm. into car racing him. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So interesting character. Um, it, it's a company we've glanced at a few times. It, it, we've never actually done a detailed analysis because of the debt level. Mm. They've always had high debt levels. They're currently running at 135 uh, percent, 135 percent uh, debt to equity, where we have a maximum of 75, which is one of our key filters. And the reason we do that. Is debt's not a problem until it is. Yeah. And if you look at the GFC, 600 odd companies went broke and nearly all of them had high debt. <laughs> yeah, so Quite. There's an absolute correlation between yeah. high debt and going broke. <laughs> so, you know, that, that puts us off. <laughs> now, yeah. it's got very good cash flows. I'm not saying it's at risk of going broke, but it just doesn't meet our minimum minimum criteria. Yeah. It's on a 22.7 uh, PE at the moment, which is interestingly in the bottom quartile. This is a company that's have typically quite high PEs, yeah. often over 30 you know, 35 uh, level. So the market likes it, but its EPS growth rates average 21% per year over the last six years, which is very good. Mm. So when you relate 
uh, PEs, you need to look at the earnings part of that. Mm. So if 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 you've got a twenty percent growth rate of twenty PE, twenty PE is not high. Yeah. You know, so that's the way to yeah, you could look at it. So if it wasn't for the debt, we would buy it. Yeah, and I guess that really depends um, whether it's, there's going to be an issue is at what rates they've locked in, and as you said, the durability of the cash flows. That's right. Going through the cycle. That's right. And uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and we're already seeing some pain in some companies, like even yeah. Domino's, you know, who've also another company that's run high debt. They've had to, yeah, uh, yeah they've shut down Netherlands and stuff. They've yeah. done some pretty serious cost cutting yeah. to free up money to reduce the debt. Absolutely. Which uh, he always said, uh, "Oh, debt's not a problem." Yeah. It, well, it wasn't a problem when it was one percent or two percent. <laughs> As you say, day. it's never a problem until it is. <laughs> exactly. So would that be a... a well, I'll just pass on it because it doesn't meet our... Okay. Our, 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 okay. I'd, say, I'd still say it's a quality business though. Okay, yeah. a quality business. Okay, the fourth stock is Premier Investments, ticker code PMV, picked by Amy. Now, uh, entering the retail space again, pretty quality, you know, mm. stock or company, mm. I should say. Solly Lou, pretty mm. savvy operator, to say the least. Sure. However, maybe it's the wrong type of the wrong time of the cycle, David. What do you think? Well, it could be. I mean, yeah. Look, I'm I'm a bit cautious in the in this sector, you know, the mm. retail sector. But Solly Lou, I mean. He's a smart operator. He's been in the business long enough. He's got nine percent of the company. Um, you know, they're just um, also a good, fully frank dividend. You're just under five percent. Um, steady earnings return on equity around sixteen. I mean, they've got you know the a big shareholding in Breville as well. Twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight. That's right. And also in uh, Maya, they've increased their shareholding in Maya to about twenty-nine percent, I think. So you know, and the cash on hand, they've got about four hundred. 17 million. So just those two holdings, Breville, Meyer, and the cash is almost a billion dollars mm. liquid assets on the balance sheet. Mm. So that's, you know, they've got a franking pool of 333 million as well. So they've got a really, you know, they've had some really good steady earnings growth here as well over the last couple of years since the, um, since COVID. Um, you know, they, they did suffer during that period because they weren't mostly online as retail stores. But since then, they've really um, they've got some strong brands like Peter Alexander, Smiggles, you know, other, you know, Just Jeans, etc. So they've got a very strong group branding as well. Um, look, for me, uh, I'm just looking at the chart here. It's pulled sharply back here. It's not a. It, if it got down to twenty-two dollars, I'd be looking at this between twenty-two and um, twenty-two fifty. I think is a good level to be looking if you're going to accumulate. Uh, but again, you need you need to have a view about going forward, about the um, the consumer discretionary yeah, sure. area. So it's very cautious. It's not an area. This is not a sector that I'd be buying right now, personally. Yeah, fair enough, uh, Mark. Uh, yes, it is a, an interesting business. The the Breville shareholding, I think, is a really mm. good asset. The Maya one, I don't, I wouldn't pay ten cents for Maya. So, um, I, <laughs> you've got to remember though, with uh, there's a there's a relationship that Solly Lou has with Maya, and that mm. he supplies uh, lots mm. of their lines. So, you know, he's trying. He's it's a very conflicted situation, mm. <laughs> to be fair. You know, so but you know, so you can't look at it straight on straight commercial terms because we don't right. know what's what's going on behind the uh, behind the scenes. So it, maybe he has that to make sure he. Can, they keep buying from him. I don't know, but mm. so I, I, I wouldn't put any, I wouldn't put much value on the Maya shares. Maya's been in free fall for ten years. Yeah. So um, so that does, that's nothing. Mm. Uh, they're on thirteen point eight p, which is just in the low black for us, which is at about uh, at about forty percent of on their range out of a hundred. So it's at thirteen point eight is 
reasonably expensive compared to their other other retailers. The other quality retailers like Nick Scarley and JB Hi-Fi and some of those are under 10, you know, mm-hmm. at eight and so on. So you're paying a bit of a premium for these guys and their growth rate's been 24 average over the last six years. I actually think they had a very good COVID, as most good retailers did. Mm. Surprise, mm. surprise. I didn't, predict, I didn't predict that, that's for sure. Um, we don't really have that much of a concern about the alleged retail cycle because what, what's actually happened with retail generally, and probably to a degree with uh, Premier Investments as well, is that the market sold them off on the expectation that we're going to have a recession because that's what the media says. If we have a recession, the theory is people will stop mm. spending money, therefore they'll start making I mean, it's all this cause and effect stuff, which in reality doesn't really happen. Mm. If you look at the history, you know, over the last 10 years, and even, even if you go back during the GFC, the GFC retail didn't get hit that hard. I mean, it came off a bit, but like, so what? So at the moment, what you've got is the market's already discounted it. So you've mm. got PEs of sub 10. Mm. on quality retail businesses, mm, mm. that is, that is uh, a reversion mean of the PE prior to free interest money. Mm. So if you go back 15 years, mm. uh, these companies were on 12 to 15 PEs, and now yeah. they're under 10. You go, yeah. explain that to me. When we've got everything else where the PEs are all 20, 25, 30 or whatever, yeah. for the same earnings, because mm. that's the point. Yeah. Mm. So then you come back and say, well, what's my return going to be? Mm. And you can get, you're can you getting 10% plus dividends on the quality retailers. Mm. I think they're, all the good ones are, are buys. Okay, in including this one. this one. Well, yeah, it's, it's slightly above the others. And, and the way that affects the returns, uh, we're showing premier investments returning... 5% on a margin of safety if they continue just doing what they are on a yeah. similar PE and up to 28 on default per year. So yeah. uh, that's similar to JB Hi-Fi yeah. and uh, Nick Scarley, by the yeah. way. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'd say it's, I'll say it's a buy. Okay. It passes all our filters. Okay, cool. Excellent. Let's crack on with time ticking away. And the fifth stock is Sandfire Resources, ticker code SFR, picked by Vic. Now, of course, this one has been very popular, hasn't it, David? Because it is the alternative copper play. <laughs> well, not popular for me. It's not, my, not for my money. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like this copper play, this stock at all, to tell you the truth. Uh, just looking at their numbers, I mean, they had a, you know, when they when they raised uh, did an equity raise of 1.25 billion to for its, for that acquisition in Spain, the Matza. Mm. You know, I think their timing was probably not the best. Uh, copper price has been weak, actually. Yeah. It's been trending down, so that's the other reason I, I don't like this one. But I don't see their, you know, the numbers are not showing up for me. Like they're generating positive cash flow and earnings at this stage. So, um, you know, they've had big amortization depreciation. Uh, it's just that the numbers don't stack up for me in, in terms of the, um, for quality copper play. Mm-hmm. I, I would have it on the watch list, no doubt about it. I'm sure it will turn around. But, you know, they had a huge dilution in shareholder, in shareholding uh, from that capital raise, you know, yep. so, and negative earnings revisions as well. Um, there's development risk, et cetera. So, I, I'm just not, um, yeah, yeah I, no. I can't say this is a buy for me at all. In fact, it's a sell. There's other places I'd rather put my money right now. Okay, Mark. Uh, I'd sell it too. Its, okay. um, it's financials have been woeful. Um, 
and they, they, they ran profits for a little while and then they've gone down, sales have gone down as well and they're now losing money. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's just nothing there that I could um, use to, ju- to justify why it would be a good buy. Fair now. enough, okay. And that's even not even considering, let's say copper prices go up, well maybe it'd be helpful, but. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cool, we might leave it there and move on. So let's have a summary now. And the stock of the day is Magellan, which is obviously down almost 12%, which I large look today due to that outflow of farm. Really interesting. So for David, it is an avoid. And uh, for Mark, well, it's potentially, this is a turnaround story. It's still profitable. Uh, Interesting that the institutional money has been leaving, which is typically the low margin. So I put a speculative buy for you on that Invest, not for team invest okay we just <laughs> got to clarify that one say. Okay. So the will be <laughs> <laughs> exactly now let's summarize the first five stocks of the day so argosy minerals so really for david prefer to be if you want exposure in the lithium sector to go to the big ones here in australia so pilbara and alcum and uh, he has an avoid on that one and mark pretty much the same an avoid on that one and uh, he would say that they would prefer to have exposure if you want lithium exposure through MinRes. And Lycopodium, a great stock, great quality company. David just makes uh, highlights. There is some illiquidity there. So for institutions, it's not so great. But hey, an 8% fully frank dividend yield, diversified earnings stream, ex-Monadelphus management. Um, so I put you down as sort of a buy on that one, David. Mm-hmm. Can I have a buy on that one? Do yes, you think? A yes. buy on that one. And a buy from Mark as well, again. Just beware of the liquidity. Yeah, liquidity. Just beware that you don't want to get caught in the proverbial lobster trap because the CEO does actually own about 23% of the stock and it's got about a $700 million, $370 million market cap. But Mark also likes, just points out, it's on a, about a 7.9 times trailing PER. Let's move on to the third stock, Dicker Data. And uh, that one has been a great long-term performer, good cash flow generation, exposed to great sectors, points out David. And uh, he has basically, at these prices, it's a little bit expensive, so he has a hold, but possibly a buy on weakness should it come down. And for uh, Mark, you basically say debt levels are just too high and it doesn't meet the team invest screen so he has even though it's got uh, historical eps growth of 21 percent it is a pass for them premier investments looking at that stock well good quality basically great performance over the well good quality stocks over the longer term david just points out 28 percent shareholding in breville 29 percent in Maya, cash on hand of over 400 million dollars but he would be buying at around $22 to $22.50. And Mark just makes the point that uh, although it's a little bit expensive at around 13.8 times, you actually feel that a lot of these quality retailers are buyers at the moment, including Premier. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Sandfire Resources, we'll make this one really quickly. Neither of our guests would be buying that stock. In fact, they would be selling it. Okay. Now let's move on to the call, which is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. And going in op- into October, Avita Medical was taken out and it's waiting distribution.
distributed between Washington H. Sol Pattinson and Altium. 1% was taken out each of Karoon, Prometicus and Paladin. And another 1% of cash was spent to include Camplify. Let's check in and see how the portfolio is performing. And so far, our fund is 6.59% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Okay, let's get going. And uh, we will have to race through these ones possibly. Let's check in. We've got Deep Yellow and Delta Lithium, Sierra Rutile, Judo Bank and Treasury Wine Estate. So let's change this up a little bit in terms of the uh, sixth stock, which is uh, basically deep yellow. So we're moving, Mark, into the uranium space. And I've just been reading a whole lot of reports about uranium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good or bad? Well, the, 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 structural, the structural argument is there, obviously, but the stocks have run so hard. I, I think it's uninvestable. The, the whole area, particularly the companies that aren't producing. So if, if they've got a business and they're selling it and they're making a profit, okay, they can look at it. But most of these companies, like if you look at Deep Yellow, they've got potential uh, lease areas in Northern Territory and so on. There's no permits to mine anything. <laughs> you know, so even if they prove up mm. the, and there's demand, there's, nothing, there's no automatic guarantee or even likelihood that they'll be able to mine it. Yeah. So how can you invest in that? Yeah. And then they're in other, they're in, they're in a Nibia, Nibia or something, yeah, yeah. as well. Well, great, good luck. You know, that's all danger areas from an operational point of view. So there's nothing, this is nothing other than speculation. And the problem at the moment is, uh, okay, whilst the number of nuclear reactors is growing in China and some place in the world, and in yeah. India, yep. um, the reality is the world doesn't need a lot of uranium. Mm. And if you look at all these potential uranium sources, mm. way too much anyway. So yep. the point is, even if we have a significant uptick in uh, popularity of uh, using nuclear reactors mm, you know, mm. in Australia, maybe down the road, and all the rest of it. Mm. Long term, there's going to be demand. Mm. But how do you invest in that now? It's yeah. years and years and years away. You know, so particularly those small modular reactors. Mm. I'm, they, I'm all for it. I think, I think, we, I think we're serious about. If you're serious about climate change, I don't see how you can not embrace nuclear. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mandatory, in my view. But that doesn't mean you can invest in it. Yeah. You know, so it's a long way away before. And then okay. for us, you wouldn't then invest unless they had a proper business where you could actually okay. value it. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. David. Yeah, look, I, I, my sentiment is, is very much the same, Mark. I mean, there's no doubt there will be a demand supply equation coming in because just looking at the global reactors, nuclear reactors, there's about 436 in the world, uh, mostly in the US and France and China. They're the top three. Yeah. And then there's Russia, Japan. Uh, under construction, there's 59, and proposed reactors are 300, over mm. 300. So there's no doubt um, the world is moving towards nuclear. Um, you know, the, the, the pricing, I mean, we've seen a bit of a jump in the price, um, most of the back of speculation, I think. It went up to $70. <laughs> it's been out in the wilderness for so long, hadn't it, the <laughs> price? <laughs> it has, because of what happened to Fukushima yeah. you know, back then. Uh, but, you know, now it's um, pulling back a little bit, and you've seen... Deep yellow jumped from you know in the last month from like what seventy cents odd to about a dollar thirty, you know. It's that's, speculation. Yeah, purely on speculation. They're not going to be in production to twenty twenty six. So if all goes well, if all goes well, <laughs> and they'll, they'll need to do a cap raise, you know, because they've got about forty eight million in the bank. They've got a market cap close to a billion. Mm. Um, Sounds like more like a sell to look, me. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit old school. Yeah. I go back, you know. I, I you like, like cash flow. I like cash flow, you know. <laughs> that's just old school. But people see, see, I'm seeing a lot of businesses where 
well, especially in the gold sector where they're generating huge cash flow, and yet people, it's being ignored by the market. Mm. You know, so which, which means they're better risk return by exactly yeah. than something like this. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So okay. you know, but you know, it, it's like you know, it's, the narrative nothing, can take it the narr- way. The, exactly. Mm. You know, like you've seen with um, the lithium and you see buy Wait, now, pay later. You know, GLP all that. ones. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. all you know. Right now, it's sexy. You know, and yeah, it's a theme that's being chased, and yeah. you know, no doubt um, it'll continue. It, but. Uh, I wouldn't be chasing it here right now. Fair. Paladin as well is the same. Yeah. You know, if you're going to play in that space, probably Paladin would be the pick. But again, they're not in production. Mm. So not, not Apparently my... next year. Next year. Is yes, that okay? apparently. Well, yes. don't forget, Tesla's going to have fully autonomous cars next year. Yeah, well, <laughs> ouch. And they've had those for about eight years now. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <Every> year. exactly. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the seventh stock, which is Delta Lithium, ticker code DLI, picked by Steve. Okay, another smaller lithium producer here, Mark. Um, well, they're not producing. No, no, they're not producing. Yeah. So they're, they're pre, pre-earnings, so they're... They're losing about 4.7% of their capital a year at the moment, so that's not a massive burn. Uh, what's their market cap? Uh, 370 million. Yeah. 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 And where, do they, where are they operating? They're in... I think they're... W- WA. Yeah. And also, is the US as well or not for them? Uh, uh, mostly WA, yeah. the okay. Mount Ida lithium yeah. project. So their market cap, if you look at their market cap or their shares outstanding, it's gone from in 2019, there was 30 million, now there's 520 million. So it, the, the, the shares outstanding growth Looks like a really good earnings chart. <laughs> yeah, so, Except it's not what you want for shares. That's right. So, so, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. And then if you look at their earnings, last year they were negative uh, 8.2 million. Yeah, so, so market cap is currently, well, market cap. Like, 370. Uh, 364 million. So, you know, pre-earnings, it's, it's not that easy a business. You know, and particularly if you get into uh, producing spodumene and so on. I mean, lithium, mineral resources told us that when they built their first spodumene processing and so on, it took way longer than they yeah. thought. It was way harder than they thought. And, and they said all their competitors who aren't there yet are going to get a nasty surprise. Yeah. <laughs> that was his comment. Yeah. So it sounds like a, no, a sell, say, I would, avoid? I'm not, no interest. No. no interest. Okay. David? Well, interesting. Um, the founder of Mineral Resources is on the board. He's he the non-executive chairman. And and mineral resources have 17.5%. Oh, okay. So, you know, if anything, this 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 could be a takeover target yeah. easily yeah. Um, for min. And I say that's probably on the cards because, you know, this, this, their, their resource, they've just upgraded the resource uh, 136% in the indicated mineral resource, yeah. 7.8 million tonnes of 1.3 lithium. So pretty good potential 10-year mining operation. I like that word potential. Um, <laughs> But nevertheless, with um, Mineral Resources as a major shareholder yeah. and the founder on the board, I think yeah. it's only a matter of time. Before. I think it's optionality for them. It's exactly what you said. He's yeah. he's got a position that's not cost. It hasn't cost him that much. Yeah, uh, it's in the same area where they are. You know, so there's obviously efficiencies from their point of view. So it's an extra resource. So whether he wants it or not, I suspect it's that, it's that. Yeah, it doesn't mean he's about to launch a takeover or anything like that. And and they've got plenty of cash in the bank. They've got eighty four million. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be you know putting out their hands sure. soon. So I, I think, if anything, it's a speculative. I, I wouldn't be buying it. It's a speculative buy for a future takeover. Okay. But the, look, the trend is down at the moment. Yeah. So um, you know, it's not your friend. I mean, if it and got down to, you know, it was thirty-seven cents back in uh, April this year, March, April, March. Right. Uh, certainly, if it got back down there, I'd, I'd be having a look at it as a speculative. Maybe, buy. maybe Minres might be doing that too. 
at those lower levels. Hence, there's no hurry for them, even if it's an option exactly. on it. They're going to wait and just see, That's you right. know, how, oh, how yeah, the market yeah, plays yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's, he's, Minres has done a lot of uh, M&A mm. uh, in the last couple of years. Absolutely. And he's, and he's been, he's playing, a, he's a, playing a lot of games. He's just raised an extra 1.2 billion, uh, but he's got over a billion in the bank. Mm. Yeah. So, and uh, he's, they bought, what was it, Bald uh, Creek or whatever was that one they just bought? They just bought one. The gas, of, mm. the gas operations? No, no, it's okay. a uh, lithium right. uh, asset in WA. But they're, right. just, they're in the process of buying from the administrators. Yep. So it's right. one that went broke. Yeah. So I don't know what he's going to do, you know, yeah. and it's possible. Yeah. I, I love this quote from the uh, the company. It's got mm. five key, key pillars to the growth and success of Delta mm. Lithium. One is the Mount Ida. Mm. One is near-term production DSO mm. optionality. Uh, Yinithara, it's big. Yeah. If they say <laughs> Team, it's awesome. <laughs> Catalyst, going gangbusters. And... Fifth is independent verification corridor shareholders partners. So I love, I love their summary. Oh so, dear, I think as an analyst that, that might have a few alarm bells going off. But anyway, <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next stop, which is Sierra Rutile. And the ticker code is SRX. And this is picked by Austin, who asks if this is a good investment. So rare earth, $80 million market cap, I'm getting. Um, it's... Uh, I can't answer the question of whether it's a good, uh, good company. They've actually got, they say they've got 20% of the world's natural rutile. So it must be synthetic rutile, that by the definition of mm-hmm. that, I suppose. I don't know, because that's, that's about outside my, uh, it's not my area of no. competence. Um, they're not making money, I don't think. It doesn't come up on our screen for some reason, because it's, it's listed here, but it's operating in the US. Okay. Yeah, well. It's um, is, it, is, it, is it trading at the moment? Here? Yeah, no, yeah. no. It, it's Sierra Leone is where it's operating yeah. in um, Africa. Uh, I know a bit about this. I'm actually. Okay, well, you talking because I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a shareholder. <laughs> um, oh, you own it. Yeah, yeah. I've got oh, the wow. shares in this. Um, you know, look at uh, they. They had a bit of this was this was a spin out from a Luca um, over a year ago. Oh. So you can see where it's where it was sixty cents or thereabouts. Doesn't show it on the chart there, but it was at sixty when it was a spin out back then and then it's come crashing back down to 19. Now, the only reason it's back down to this level is because uh, they had a power failure in um, in their last previous quarter, the June quarter, and so that's that cut production. So they've stockpiled their ore, which should resume at be higher this quarter, I'd expect. Um, the, 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 I mean, their last year they made uh, something like 57 million US profit okay. after tax. Yeah. So, um, you know, but that's actually, you know, quite, they, they reported a loss for the small loss for the mm. half year. But if you add back depreciation, they actually made a profit, gross profit of 30 million. Right. Okay. Now, the other thing is they've got about $33 million in the bank US. So plus they've got for rehabilitation, another 41 million US. So if you add those two together, Aussie dollars, mm. about 115 million. And plus they've got the inventory and like they've got about a hundred, $200 million in liquid assets, mm-hmm. okay, which is higher than the share price. In fact, the NTA, I think- Higher than looked, the market cap, yeah. Is about, is double the market cap. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, from down here, um, they're only trading at you yeah. know, liquid asset, less than liquid asset value. Um, you know, so I'd like to see a pickup. They do expect, there has been a slow slowdown in, in um, uh, uh, production for, um, um, Rutile because of the pigment um, market, 
mm-hmm. but that's slowed down. But they're expecting that to pick up in the in the okay. next quarter. So look, it'd be very interesting to see their quarterly report. Yeah, I would expect their cash balance to go up to to offload the uh, inventory that in the balance sheet that mm. they stockpiled. But um, look, they've also got another project mm. starting in a couple of years, and the DFS looks really good on that. Mm-hmm. So um, they're talking thirteen years at a lower cost. Mm. So they're they're one of the top. Rutile pr- producers uh, in the world. They're listed here? Yeah. They're listed here. I wonder why it's not showing up in my... Um, no, know. it's SRA. definitely... Yeah. Yeah. SRX is It's definitely code. listed here. Yeah. Yeah. So, full yeah. declaration, you own it. It was spun out yeah. of a, a Luca, did I... That's yeah. right. And basically, so... But it sounds to me like the quarterly production report, it is potentially what I buy at these levels, but all wait for the quarterly uh, uh, production. Yeah, so, look, I would soft buy, you know, yeah. waiting for the quarterly... Reports, but here's the other thing that gives you me confidence: is yeah. you've got two big institutions on the on the register. Register. You've got Samuel Terry Asset Management have come in, and they came in in the previous half to not, to acquire nearly twenty percent. Right. Plus, you've got Perpetual at sixteen and a half. Those two investors. alone is thirty five percent. Okay. So that they they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And and Samuel Terry Asset Management came not in. Not while it's nineteen cents. No. no. <laughs> That's right. Maybe later. So might, if it goes but, back to 60 or whatever. But, but you saw also, it got up to about 28 cents and then Tribeca had yep. to sell down, you know, for okay. various reasons. And that's why the share price, they put a lot of pressure on the share okay. price. So Samuel Terry Asset Management came in and bought the lot, bought, took over. Well, it certainly sounds interesting, that's for sure, with, mm. as you say, all those liquid assets and definitely not being reflected there in the market cap. Yeah. Let's crack on to the next one, which is Judo Bank, and that's a ticker code JDO, and it's the ninth stock picked by Ben today. So, Mark? Um, it's only been listed for a year. Yeah. So it's only got one year history. We, we actually need at least five years yeah. to be able to make sense of any of the, the numbers. Uh, also, what you want to see is some consistency in how the how the bank's operating. They're currently running at a five uh, return on equity, which we, we have a minimum of 10. So it doesn't pass and return on capital is 2.9, which is quite low as well. But it's so there's not enough history yet. They've got about, um, I think the... Uh, the market cap at the moment is uh, just over a billion, fraction, yep, fraction over a billion. That's what I've got, yeah. So quite a lot of red on my, on my um, mm. uh, scan, but yeah, meaningless anyway for us. So we wouldn't be, and banking is not an area we're no. keen on at the moment anyway. But, yeah. So I wouldn't be looking for new um, bank assets as, a, as, as something that would be desirable. Yeah, fair enough. So David. Yeah, look, I, this is an interesting one. You know, they're, they're mainly focused on the small, medium enterprise businesses mm-hmm. sector. And, you know, they had 46% lending growth, seven times, 700% profit increase um, over the past year. So they're really, um, you know, they're getting some good numbers here. Their net interest margin is remaining steady around 3%. And they're quite optimistic that they've got um, also a very a strict process of risk risk management as, mm. as well. I've got to say that the numbers here look really good to me. Um, I'm just, you know, that they are saying, you know, going forward, there is economic uncertainty, <laughs> as, as they say. <laughs> in the have, SMEs uh, as well. I yeah. mean, yeah, you'd have to be a little bit cautious at this time in the cycle. Well, you? you know, I used to be in banking in my past life in the 80s. I was in Merchant Bank of Barclays. And one thing I can tell you, is when you start getting, you know, increased bad debts. Uh, they've, made, they've been making provisions. Yeah. 
But what's worse is when you have a credit crunch, yeah. a liquidity crisis, then yeah. all bets are off. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just happens in a nanosecond. I mean, Westpac nearly went under That's in the right. 80s That's if right. it wasn't for Kerry Packer stepping in. Yeah. You know, um, and I bet he regretted selling these shares at six bucks yeah. back then, but he made a hundred million profit. Yeah. It was like equivalent to a billion dollars today. Mm. Yeah. You know, but, but I'm just very concerned. Yeah. The world is just laden with debt. Yeah. I mean, look at the US at 33 trillion. Mm. I mean, they just hit a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Mm. You got student. I, I don't know how they're going to get out of this mess. Seriously. Well, you know, China's worse, don't you? China has more more debt than even on a GDP basis compared to the US. But how do you trust those numbers? That I don't know. You know, they're, they're, the thing with China though, the, the advantage they've got, and I think people when it's they a closed economy. Well, it's That's not just right. that. They've, they've also got a, a, an 80 billion dollars per month net inflow from import export mm, uh, mm, trade trade balance. Mm. That's massive. Mm. So they've got 80 billion US dollars a month coming in. Mm. That pays for a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. We, we've got a positive one as well at the moment, which is which is great. The US hasn't. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. as well, that so, adds to their woes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So really, I suppose you just would say at the moment, like, don't go there. Wrong time of the cycle. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I would have it on my watch list. I'm yeah. very impressed with their growth and the numbers here. But everything's fine while it's ticking over. I'll say one year. It's yeah. fine until it's not fine. Exactly. You need more history. Yeah, fair enough. But their growth is is stellar, really. Yeah. So what tends to happen is the smaller banks tend to Pick take the, 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 riskier, yeah. the riskier loans. So that when there is a problem, they get hit a lot harder. Exactly. Okay, let's get on to the 10th stock, which is Treasury yeah. Wine mm. Estates, picked yep. by Mark. And Mark has asked, when is the right time to buy this stock? It's a very good question. Yes, yeah, so Mark. So I'll answer that. And seeing you're a Mark, I'm a Mark, so Mark Mark. <laughs> um, look, Treasury Wines has been, I'd say it's a quality business, but it's on a 28 PE at the moment, which is in the green for them. So this is another company that's had, um, had a bit of a halo over it for a long time. They got slammed down there with uh, the China yep. ban on, pen, on our mm. expensive wine and so on. And I think because China's been talking reproachment and saying that they're going to, I don't think they've actually, they haven't actually stopped it, have they? Are they talking about it? letting them come back in other at the moment? They are talking, yeah. but they haven't actually yet. No, but it hasn't actually happened yet. Um, the problem with Treasury is it's over, It's it's it, the market's paying too much for it. If you look at their earnings, the earnings have been negative uh, 5% a year average over the last six years, and they peaked in 2019. Up to 2019, they were growing nicely. And I think that was when the, do, you know, do we know when the China thing started? When was that? Was that then? So yeah, that's basically the beginning so. of COVID, really. Yeah. Yeah. Just before COVID. It was Trump. Remember that whole thing blew up when yeah. he put all Well, that would have been 19, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so they were going well to then, yeah. and then they've come right off. Uh, now they actually fail on return on equity and return on capital and so on. We're showing returning negative on um, 5% a year on safety if you buy it now and they continue running at negative four. So you couldn't assume that. Mm. So to answer the question, which was when would you buy it, uh, I would have to change their earnings and say I wouldn't buy it unless I was taking a, um, a positive mm. view to their earnings growth going mm. forward. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd say I'd have to give them, say, eight. I'll give them eight percent growth. Now that's about. I think they were on something like that prior to the yep. China woes. Maybe yep. a bit higher even. Yeah. Um, let's say eight. And uh, if I give a terminal P of twenty-two in five years' time, I'd have a buy price of um, ten dollars twenty-two. Okay. And it's currently eleven dollars eighty-nine. Yeah, mm. fair enough. So it's mm. too expensive. Yeah, but not by a massive amount. Yeah. But it's definitely too pricey for me. And I, and that's also assuming that the uh, China problem goes away yeah. and they get back on to do some growth. So you've got to assume that too. So it's yeah. not like it's just automatic. Absolutely. Okay, David. 
Yeah, look, uh, very much the same sentiments I have about that. Interesting, it's, it's got a wide coverage here, brokers. There's 16 cover it with a fair value, even higher, $13.40, which is 11% higher than where mm. it is. Um, I agree, though. I think it's a little bit pricey myself. Given the growth, it's it, actually it's been very lumpy. Mm. It's been down and back up, and yeah. it's been all over the shop. We like stability. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but getting back to the viewers' question, if you're just talking technically, and you know I'm, yeah. I'm a technician as well, is on the daily chart, it's giving me a buy signal on the 50-day moving average, which is around where it is net, right now, eleven dollars eighty or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. However, you, you want to stop below that. It's eleven dollars fifty. Um, you know, tight stop actually below eleven fifty. Uh, but on the weekly chart, it's below the fifty-week moving average, so it hasn't broken above that yet. Which you know, I know there's a technical term, but you know, chartists look at this. It's a bit tech- betwixt and between. Then is basically yeah, what it, you're it's, saying. It's kind of like it's not shooting the lights out here on the trend, so okay. it's not very bullish. But look, it's it's such a They've got so, such a powerful branding of penfolds and well, that's the driver, models. isn't it? That is the, the top driver. end. Everything else is is just not really that relevant. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing is happening in the industry too. From Arubis is the in France. Well, and also the other thing is the premium wines mm. are holding up well, but all the cheap wines yeah. are really getting smashed. Yeah, people aren't buying. There's them. a lot of trend changes going on yeah. as well. Young in Italy now. And the in thing France. in the US, the other thing in the US I noticed yeah. was the shift to Italian wines. Yeah, interesting. You know, where they had a lot of Australian wines in yeah. restaurants and there's a lot of Italian wines. Oh, Okay, I am going to have to uh, wrap, unfortunately, because I think we could probably keep on chatting about the market and stocks, well, for the afternoon, but we can't do that. So let's quickly run through the last five stocks. So pretty much uninvestable for Deep Yellow, so very much a narrative there. The stocks have run really hard, including Deep Yellow, but if you did want to go into that space, Paladin, who is meant to be coming into production next year, is probably a preferred um, way to go, says David. Delta Lithium. Mark, pretty much an avoid on that one. Um, and in terms of David, I have written down there sort of a speculative buy. Uh, that's right, we're talking about MinRes is sitting there on the share register with a 17.5% stake, not saying that they're going to go and take over the company tomorrow. So don't race out and go I'd buy it on that way. Lower, much lower levels. Much lower levels, yeah. 37 cents I have written down. Yes, that's yeah, it. okay. Sierra Rutile. So David gave us a great rundown on that one. So a soft buy look up for the upcoming quarterly report. Mark, no, not really his thing. Judo Bank has not been listed long enough. Exposure to SME. So potentially the wrong time in the cycle to be looking at this one. So put on the watch list for David and Mark, probably you're not going to invest, team invest well, won't five, go five in five years. years. We'll exactly. And then uh, last but not least, Treasury Wine. Um, really, Mark just saying like either the earnings have to, the earnings growth has to pick up or the share price has to come down because at the moment it's just too expensive. And then in terms of David, well, it sort of looks, uh, well, on a 50-day moving average basis, it looks quite good, but on a daily, daily, yeah, and on the weekly, it doesn't. Yeah, so we're a bit betwixt in between in that one. How do you square that circle? (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. It was great to have you on the show. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash callpix or tweet us at osbiz. Stick around. The Pulse is up next. (laughs) 
when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.